we go. <laughs> Welcome to our Easter morning services. Welcome to those of you who are just joining us. Welcome to those of you who have been with us all morning. It has been a blessing. For those of you who are just joining us, sorry to tell you you've missed out on a lot. Maybe most importantly, you missed out on the fate of poor Roscoe, but... No, most importantly, what a blessing it has been this morning to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and what that means to us. We have been blessed this morning. Josh gave us a very direct and concise lesson this morning on exactly what we are rejoicing in this morning. We then were able to share together at breakfast. Thank you to the cooks, to the entertainment committee. For those of you who are curious, they told me they served 400 people this morning. So if you were one who maybe didn't get quite as much food as some of the rest of us, please have mercy on them. There's no way to plan for that many people. <laughs> but what a blessing it has been this morning. And then the Rosedale Chorale shared with us in song and what a beautiful time that was. The, the songs they sang, the message with those songs, what a blessing it is. And I've had a couple of people ask me how we got them this morning. I said, I replied to an email. They asked. We were kind of in their, their path of the, the schedule they were on, and the Lord brought them to us. And what a blessing that was this morning. Just to give you a little information, Ken shared a little in the fellowship hall this morning. So they have a table out there for Rosedale. The Rosedale Bible College is actually one of the pieces of the conference that our church, Providence, is a part of. There's over 100 churches in that conference, and one of the assets, one of the very beautiful assets of that conference is the Rosedale Bible College and the opportunity that's there for our young people, not only to be a part of, a, of the corral that was here this morning, but there are different opportunities for study there. So I encourage you, if you're a young person, if you're a parent of someone who's looking to go to college, there are some opportunities there to learn and to fellowship with other believers. And I just encourage you, if, if you're totally unaware of that opportunity, to, to take a uh, look at it. And as Ken said, they do have a website that will inform you even more. But what a blessing that will be. And that conference that we are part of, that's what we're going to be hosting as a community, not just us as Providence, but as us and First Men and I in Berea next summer, the summer of 2018. So a lot of information for you this morning. But it's a lot of good information, and I just encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity. For our call to worship scripture this morning, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. For your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. What a beautiful promise that is, and what a beautiful gift that is that is given to us by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to talk about this morning in our message, that, that blood of Christ and what that means to us. Would you stand with me this morning in opening prayer? Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, for the time this morning to share together as a body of Christ, rejoicing in the sunrise and knowing on that sunrise so many years ago that that tomb was empty, that your son was risen in victory over death. 
Thank you, Lord, for that gift. Thank you, Lord, for that remembrance. Help us to remember that each day. Lord, I pray for your spirit to direct us this morning as we continue to worship you as a body, as we continue to study your word and to seek to know you deeper and farther, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now is your time to greet someone around you, so please take that opportunity. I was going to mention to those of you who have been with us since 7 a.m. this morning, if this were an NFL game, we'd be about in the middle of the third quarter probably. So I think you can make it. No, thank you for, and I'm glad for the opportunity that you've had to be here with us this morning. Now is our time for announcements. If anyone has an announcement, please uh, raise your hand and they'll bring a microphone to you. Uh, someone gave me this ring that was found in the ladies' restroom. If anyone is missing a ring... I have it, so you can come and see me after the service, and we'll get it back to you. So if anyone's missing that. Are there any other announcements? I want to remind you that we will not be having Sunday school this morning, so when this service concludes, that will conclude our services for this morning. So just want to remind everyone of that. Are there any other announcements? Yeah, this is Rita. Check, test. Hello? Okay, during the opening hymn, if there's any children who are interested in being a part of the first song of the worship set, make your way Hello? out to the foyer, just to make sure everyone heard it. Anyone else? Good morning, Amanda Schwartzentruber. I just wanted to let you know that it says in the bulletin that the ladies' Bible study will be meeting this Saturday, but um, we didn't plan ahead very well. I'm going to be out of town, and Kelsey is going to be out of town for part of the week, so we, um, neither one can lead, so we're going to go ahead and reschedule that for Saturday, April 29th, and that will be our last study for this, for this book. Thank you. Okay. Any other announcements? You may notice in the order of your service, once again this week, we're going to move the prayer requests and sharing time to after the Song of Reflection, after the sermon. So you will have your opportunity then. So after the opening hymn, we will go directly into the prayer and the receiving of the offerings. But are there any other announcements? If not, would you stand with me as the chorister comes forward?
Good morning again. This morning, the words to the opening hymn are on the screen. He lives, so let's continue our rejoicing and praising as we all sing, and just sing as loud as you can this morning. We'll do all three verses. Thank you. You may be seated. It's time for our offering. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you again today, Father. We just thank you so much, Father, for the sacrifice 
that you've given for us, for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross, Father, for us. We just give you praise for that, Lord God, just now. Father, now this, this time of our offering, Father, we have an opportunity, Lord, to give back to you of the many, many blessings that you've given us financially and every other way there is, Lord God. So we just ask you to bless this offering and use it to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Will you please stand and join in us join with us in worshiping our Lord and Savior?
Jesus celebrate Celebrate Jesus celebrate He is risen He is risen And He lives forevermore He is risen He is risen Come on and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. I'm alive, alive forevermore. My Jesus is alive, alive forevermore. Alive, alive, alive forevermore. My Jesus is alive. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. My Jesus is alive forevermore. Resurrection of our Lord. Come on and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. I know He rescued my soul. His blood has covered my sin. I believe. Sin, I believe, I believe. My shame is taken away, my pain is healed in His name. I believe, I believe. I'll raise a banner, cause my Lord has conquered the grave, my Redeemer is. My Redeemer is, my Redeemer is, my Redeemer is. You lift my burdens, I'll rise with you. I'm dancing on this mountain top to see your kingdom come. My Redeemer is, my Redeemer. Redeemer is, my 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 Redeem
Oh! 
ransom from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for this morning over 2,000 years ago, when the grave couldn't hold your son. Thank you for the gift of his death and the gift of his resurrection. Lord God, give us wisdom. Pour out your spirit, Lord, that we can look into this text this morning. And we can look at, Lord, what the shed blood of your son meant to us, what it means to us, what it is going to mean to us, Father. God, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. What a beautiful morning. This morning is known as Easter generally, but more specifically as Resurrection Sunday. And we're going to look at that a little bit later. As I mentioned earlier, Josh spoke it so clearly and beautifully this morning as we enjoyed the sunrise. But before we get to that here, we want to back up a step. And we want to look at Christ's death. We want to look at his shed blood. I want to ask you this morning, what do you know about the blood of Christ? I believe that each of us cherish it. I know that we remember it in communion as we did here Thursday evening. But do we understand it? What does the blood of Christ truly mean to us? In the text that you just heard this morning out of 1 Peter, I've broken it down into the three points that you see in your sermon outline. First being the status, meaning our status as humans, as mankind. The second being the solution for that status, because as we're going to talk about, our status isn't good without Christ. And finally, the source, how we connect to the solution. We're first of all looking at our status. Left to ourselves, what is our status? You say, well, Kevin, I'm a good person. First Peter, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 18. It says that we're doomed to continue the feudal ways inherited from our grandfathers. Doomed to continue. That means they're not good. The feudal ways of our grandfathers are not good. If you look at the NIV translation, it says instead of feudal ways, it says empty way of life. Those futile, empty ways, they doom us to more than just a life of emptiness or a life of misery. They doom us to a life of punishment. 
Remember, Paul writes in Romans, for the wages of sin is death. You say, Kevin, there's more to that verse. Yeah, we're going to get to that later. But for now, we're focusing on the wages of sin and those wages being death. Satan is very busy. He was busy in New Testament times. He's busy today. He's trying to tell us that we're okay, that we'll be fine, that we're really not doing anything wrong. He'll even try to make us compare ourselves to other people's. Well, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than this other person, so then I'm okay. Remember he told Eve in the garden when he was tempting her with the fruit, you will not surely die. He called God a liar, tempting her, taunting her into partaking of the forbidden fruit. And if that tactic doesn't work, he has many tricks in his bag, but another one is he tells us that, you know, maybe you're not so good, but if you do enough good deeds, you'll make up for it. He tells us that we can be saved by our good deeds. He tells us that we can be saved by doing our best, by being good enough on our own power. Satan doesn't care how he deceives us. He doesn't want us to see our real problem. So whichever deception works out of his bag of tricks, he'll happily use it to keep us deceived, to keep us confused. And it keeps us distracted from our eternal problem. The problem that Josh spoke of this morning that was solved over 2,000 years ago on that cross. Our only true problem. Satan just wants to keep us distracted for a little while. Until it's too late. Until we've passed from this life into eternity and our destiny is sealed. The truth is, because of our status, we must be ransomed. Another word for ransom being purchased. Our lives must be purchased for eternity. Peter tells us in our text this morning that we were ransomed, we were purchased from the feudal ways of our grandparents. What were we purchased with? What were we ransomed with? Peter tells us not with perishable things, such as silver or gold. And that may seem a little foreign to us. We don't buy things with silver and gold today. It's paper and coins or checks or credit cards or PayPal. We have different ways of transferring currency than they did then. But what he was relating was the fact that we can't be purchased with any monetary things, with any things of this world. Nothing on this earth will suffice to ransom us out of our wretchedness. See our problem? So what is the solution? What are we ransomed with? Chapter 1, verse 19, with the precious blood of Christ. So, Kevin, how does another man's blood save me? What does another man's blood have to do with me? Well, first of all, it's not just any man's blood. It's the Son of God. It's His blood that we're speaking of. But first of all, 
what does blood have to do with anything at all? Well, going back through the Old Testament, when was the first blood shed in the Bible? Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. It says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Why do you have to do this? Why did God have to kill these animals and take these skins and make clothes for this first man and woman? Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. And he, Adam, said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. They had sinned, and their sin made them aware of their nakedness. Now we know as we read the text or in Genesis that Adam went on to blame it on Eve, tried to pass the buck, say it wasn't his fault. He said, it was, the wife, it was that wife you gave me, God. So in a way, he was also blaming it on God. That's a sermon for another day. But it still speaks to our wretchedness, to our futility. The lives of those animals were taken to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. Continuing through the Old Testament, the children of Israel were instructed to kill a spotless lamb. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I will not kill the firstborn of your family. I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Continuing through the Old Testament, shortly after that first sacrifice, that first Passover, God instituted a law requiring a yearly sacrifice of unblemished goats and lambs. The blood from this act was very important. In fact, it needed to be sprinkled around the altar by a high priest so that the nation of Israel could maintain a relationship with God. The blood sacrifice was essential throughout the Old Testament. But why? Why was this so important? What did it mean? Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. These animal sacrifices demonstrated our need for a sacrifice. They were the atonement. They were the price for our sins. They represented it. Life had to be given in payment for sin. But these animal sacrifices were insufficient. They were actually intended to point to the ultimate sacrifice. So Kevin, okay, I, I get that, but talking about blood, reading about blood, it's still so gory. But to God, blood is not gore. 
blood is not dark. Sin is what has made it gory. When you hear of a murder, your heart breaks. And sadly, often, depending on the nature of the murder, blood is what you picture. Perhaps there's a car accident. There's often bloodshed involved with that. We often view blood as death. But none of these are God's original design. Death didn't enter the world until they took from the tree that they were not supposed to take from. These representations of death, these realities of death, are the result of sin. Satan promotes this image through things like movies and different media outlets. He keeps the perspective of gore front and center. He wants us to be repulsed by blood. He tries to make God appear dark, almost ruthless in a way. Again, one of his tactics. In fact, sin, as I said, is what perverted blood. It's what connected it with death. But God, our creator, made blood essential to life. This is what scripture affirms. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. We just read that a little bit ago. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. God speaks so much of blood because he so cherishes life. More than anything else in our bodies, Blood is essential to life. It's what carries food and oxygen to our cells. It also carries out the waste that our body produces. Without blood, we couldn't keep warm or cool. We couldn't fight infections or get rid of our own waste products. We must understand this. God, again, speaks so much of blood because he so cherishes life. Blood should not be defined by death. The Bible actually teaches that death is due to sin. Remember, for the wages of sin is death. And because we've all sinned, by default, we're all spiritually dead. It's only blood that can reverse this. The only way that something can be resurrected is, this, is if it is infused with new life. Sin is death. Blood is life. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood... There is no forgiveness of sins. Let's reword the last part of that verse. Without life, there is no forgiveness of death. There is no victory over death without life. God's intention for blood is not gore. It's beautiful. Equating blood with life 
will change the way that you read your Bibles, the way that you understand your Bibles, and how you think about God himself. The coverings that he provided for Adam and Eve were coverings of life. The blood on the doorposts of the Hebrew people at Passover was the protection of life. The yearly sacrifice that God instituted for the nation of Israel was intended to restore them with life. Like Adam and Eve and the nation of Israel, we are also offered a covering of blood. But we don't have to participate in a yearly ritual. Instead, we are given the blood of Jesus, the ultimate, spotless, sinless lamb, shed his blood for us. It was shed so lavishly, so completely at Calvary on the cross, once and for all. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. The blood of Jesus is offered to us in order to completely cover our old lives with his new, spotless, sinless life. The application of Jesus' life completely wipes away our guilt and shame. It protects us from the enemy and allows us to enjoy a deep, daily, rich relationship with God. There's no forgiveness, healing, deliverance, or salvation without Christ's shed blood. His blood paid the ransom. Christ's blood was shed for us. It was shed for me. It was shed for each of you. It wasn't an offering of blood. It would not have sufficed if he just would have pricked his finger and gave us a little bit of his blood. It was a sacrifice of blood. He didn't give some. He gave it all. He gave his life to give us life. What an amazing gift. What is the source of this life? Where does this life come from? How do we have access to it? We have access to it because Jesus didn't stay dead. He gave his life fully, completely. He died on that cross. They pierced his side so that people would witness his lifeblood flow from his body. But we have access to the gift of that sacrifice because Jesus didn't stay dead. If he had, it would have all been over right there. Satan would have won, but he didn't. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 21. Starting in verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you and me and every created being, who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead. We are believers because God raised him from the dead. We have opportunity because Christ is risen. And when he rose him from the grave, he gave him glory 
Why did he give him glory? So that your faith and hope are in God. We have faith. We have hope because of the crucified and risen Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the one we've been quoting just the first half of. For the wages of sin is death. Christ took that death. We died with Christ. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When Christ rose from that grave, when that tomb was empty, he gave us the gift of eternal life. We have faith and we have hope in God because Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice of his life. He shed his blood to the point of death. And then God raised him from the dead. We have faith and hope in God because Jesus paid the price with his life. And the tomb is empty. Have you this morning surrendered your life to the Lordship of the one who died for you? Have you surrendered your life to the one who shed his blood willingly? If you were here Thursday night, you saw the video where they reenacted one of the gentlemen played the part of the Roman guard who would have crucified Christ. And he made a point that whenever he had done that before, the prisoners would struggle and fight. And the first spike was the hardest to drive. But he noticed that day when he drove that first spike into the arm of Jesus, not only did that man not fight, but he called out peacefully, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. God gave his son's life. His son gave his life willingly, without dispute, willingly for us, for me, for you. Have you surrendered your life to the Lordship of the one who died for you? Have you surrendered your life to the Lordship of the one who lives for you? Christ didn't shed his blood for nothing. The life didn't pour out of his body for nothing. The life poured out of his body for you. The life poured out of his body for me. That gift is available to each of us. And then he turns around and he gives us eternal life because he rose in victory over that death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? There is none because God defeated it in his son. This morning, the praise team is going to come up for a song of reflection. I want to remind you that this altar up front is always open and as they sing and as the Lord prompts your heart if you've not yet surrendered your life to the Lordship of Christ please please be obedient please know the peace that is available to you if you take that step not just walking the aisle not just kneeling up here but truly opening your heart and committing your life to the surrendered to the complete work of Jesus Christ 
I encourage you to search yourselves, to allow God to search you and embrace the beautiful gift that was given to us all those years ago when Christ's blood was shed and then he was resurrected in, in, in new, victorious life. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, God. I thank you for your gift. I thank you, Lord, for the shed blood of Christ. I thank you for the life-giving blood. The blood that courses through our veins. The blood that courses through your son's vein that he so willingly shed to wash away our sins, to pay the ransom, to pay the price that only he could pay. And thank you, Lord, for resurrecting him to new life. Lord, that not only we were that we were buried with him in death, but that we were resurrected with him. Thank you for that gift, Father. Thank you for that indescribable, ultimate display of sacrificial love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus, oh, precious is the flow. 